Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo personality. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. This time we got our American uh, podcast here going with Pete, Chris, and Dixon. I don't know if you guys know this, but last time uh, Chris was in Florida and Dixon had no power or broke his phone. I don't know what happened, but I had to go across the old pond there and get the Harlefo guys to come on and uh, fill in for you two. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Well, it's funny because one of the Harlefo guys' names is Chris. So it's like, man, there has to be a Chris on like every Rage Quit episode. There's got to. Yes. We have three Chris's now. <laughs> you know, I always thought that uh, Chris Yoon was going to be like coming back and he's, he was going to be trying to get into the Neverborn game and it never happened. And then the Butcher thing happened. He was at least here for one episode. Yep, and I think that might get him in there. But I don't know. Have you guys listened to a lot of the Harley Poe stuff? It's been a while. I listened pretty good. To, yeah, I listened to one of the episodes on... What was it? I want to say Pandora, but I'm not sure. It's been a while. Yeah, if you like listening to podcasts, like I told people on the last episode, I definitely recommend it. But what we're going to talk about on the Rage Quit Wire today is we're going to actually focus on looking at turn one. We've been talking a lot about titles and we're going to move forward a little bit. And something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I definitely think a lot of new players especially need to focus on is what are you doing with your turn one? What's kind of the goal? What are you setting up? And then even getting a little bit into Alpha Strike because... I know Alpha Strike something that, especially if you're not expecting it, it can turn your game into, okay, I'm kind of setting up, I'm having a good time, and then wham, right in the face, and you're dead. So <laughs> we definitely want to talk about the Alpha as well. But before we get into that, make sure that you guys are checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're putting out a lot of YouTube content lately. Uh, Chris and I are getting ready to record our battle report next week. And we're going to try two sexy new masters out, two of the new titles that we got. So check that out on YouTube when we put that up. And then don't forget to check us out at RageQuitWire.com. A lot of people have been asking me, Pete, now that you're not on Facebook, how are we going to get a hold of the Rage Quit? RageQuitWire <laughs> Rage is the best place to, uh, well, they've been asking Chris that, but that's the best place to get in contact with us. It has the podcast email on there. You can send us messages on there. You can send us a message through Twitter. You can write a comment in the YouTube channels. Uh, and then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash ragequitwire. You can support us for as little as a dollar. And you can send a message through there. I actually message a lot of the patrons a lot through there. And we talk about different things. We post on there. And yeah, I'm, I'm even, uh, you know, Nick Westbrook, right, Dixon? Yeah, I actually got all of his Explorer stuff that I'm going to paint up for him. Oh my lord! <laughs> I'm gonna put a bunch of Rage Quit Wire logos on it. Hell yeah! yeah. I don't know what you, what he sent you? Uh, he sent me Jedza, Anya. What else was in there? Uh, Cooper, and I feel like there was one more crew in there. Hmm. 
one more crew. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was a lot of versatile stuff too. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff that I get to paint up again. I got a lot of practice on Chris's stuff. So, <laughs> uh, okay. yeah, but be- extra Chris. Yeah. yeah you, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> anytime. anytime, Pete. Anytime. Yeah. But before we get into the actual episode here, I do want to talk for a second. So I know we're not talking about titles purely this episode, but I really thought Chris and I had an interesting game last night. Uh, Chris, you played the new Nexus Three Little Children, and I played the new Ophelia, and we found out that was a bad matchup for I didn't, you. I didn't like it. I did not like it. <laughs> but besides being a bad matchup, do you want to talk about what you think those three little children do for Nexus? Like, what what are they doing that the other one doesn't, I guess? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they are getting into the fight more than Nexus was. So Nexus is a support piece, you know, maybe, you know, occasional, you know, punch, scratch, whatever you want to call it. And a summoner. Yeah, through her models, but she was, yeah, support summoner. Whereas these uh, Nexus models are, you know, they're, you know, they want to stay six inches away, get their drain lives off as much as possible. They want to move up. They're support pieces, but they're also frontline. So support and frontline. I did like the one ability that you were doing with them. I didn't like it. I actually hated it in the game. But where you get the, you know, uh, what are they? The parasite tokens out on people, and then they can remove them to reduce the duel by two. Yes, but you've got to get a parasite token out on models in order to do that. With yeah. it's it's harder to do than it was with the other Nexus. I mean, it's not harder, but it's it's more complicated. Yeah, because I think the main thing, like the main way they put out parasite tokens, obviously you have the shambling nests, but they really put out the parasite tokens. So you have three of them that they're trying to do it, whether it's their, uh, I think that's a crow trigger they have built in, or no, it's not built in, but they have a crow trigger for it. And then they have a couple triggers on their actions that give out parasite tokens, so... Yeah, they have a crow defensive uh, resistance trigger, and then they have uh, one of their actions actually gives out the parasite token, and it's actually an auto uh, built-in drain life action. It's the the mass trigger. And Dixon, you'll feel bad for Chris, and I'm sure everybody that's listening also feels bad for Chris, (laughs) but he was complaining that the new titles aren't as good as the original Explorers Masters, and I'm like, cry me a fucking river. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Also, like... They are really cool looking models, regardless of whether or not. So you can, I'm pretty sure you can still use them. Wait, okay. So I, I got up and I walked away for a second so I can go get the the Nexus one of many cards. Uh, yeah, we, yes. we basically told you to stop bitching because you were complaining about the new titles for Explorers. Yes. Yeah, about how the Explorer models are so good that they came out with uh, the second iterations of them, and they're all just like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nah, they're not weaker. They're just fine. Well, I think that shows you, though, how good the original ones were. Yeah. So I think that Chris is right. There's going to be some, and I haven't looked at all the Explorers, so I'm not going to speak to all of them. But I will say, though, that the original ones can be so good that I think you're going to take either the new titles, if you really like the feel of it, or if there's just a corner case where you're like, you want to know this actually fits a little better here. Or if you're going to try and be cute and do, you know, maybe a dark horse drop and it's all of a sudden you're dealing with these three little children instead of the, you know, nightmare Nexus 
Cadmus crap that you normally have to play against. Yeah, so. it's definitely it's definitely a different play style, and they are not very good into a gun line. So, yeah, you know. we we got into turn one, and Chris is like, I don't want to play this. <laughs> I don't want to play this. Well, I mean, and it, your guns are ridiculous now, especially when they're stat seven. Jesus, take the wheel. Well, so I, I actually wrote, and because I got a couple games now in with Ophelia overloaded, and I actually wrote a quick little write up on RageQuitWire.com that people can check out, and basically. It, it it's really cool this version of Ophelia because I feel like I'm using the guns more so the upgrades because I almost feel like you loaded them up with Ophelia and you almost might have used them once with Ophelia per turn but I feel like your actions you were doing other things shooting your main gun trying to get a trigger to maybe then shoot one of your upgrades it's Whereas, stupid how good it is now <laughs> yeah now, jump in now it's like way. oh I'm gonna give one to Raph I'm gonna give one to you know Maris, I'm gonna give one to Rami. I'm gonna give one to a kin or young, young, uh, uh, young Lacroix. So, and then you finally get this perfectly set up, and you're like, ah, oh, cool. Now I'm gonna do Ophelia's bonus. I'm gonna drop the scheme. I'm gonna draw a card. So there's just a lot that you get to do with Ophelia's activation now, besides just pew pew. Dixon, Dixon, you gotta, you gotta put the, you know, stop popping the wheelies in your house. I hate that. I hate that. What a passion. <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to say, though, I don't know what Chris is playing. I think we have an idea, but I know for the battle report, I'm probably going to drop Ophelia Overloaded just because she is fun to play. So that's going to probably be who I play on uh, on our battle report next week. So let's go ahead and get into what we're talking about for the main episode, though, with this turn one. So just generally speaking, before we start getting into specifics and before we start talking about Alpha Strike, what do you think generally in Malifaux, turn one is mostly used for? So when you guys get turn one, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to use resources? What is the goal for you generally with turn one? I personally am a very aggressive player. So the first thing I try to do is try to get to combat. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm, I'm usually a very uh, aggressive player. And as an aggressive player, the first thing I like to do is try to get into combat, obviously, right? So first turn... What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to waste activations up until I can get there. But while I'm quote-unquote wasting activations, I'm trying to push my models forward. So I have a few models usually that move my models forward. Like if I'm playing Pandora, the uh, Aversion Fantastic model has a Frightening Reminder that allows you to push four inches forward. You have now a new model in Pandora with uh, Dorian Crow who pushes two additional inches, and so on and so forth. So, like, I'm trying to buy for, like, a little bit of forward movement and then getting ready to pounce. Yeah, so I, I think what you said there is definitely... So that's one thing that you do want to think about. So for you, Dixon, you're saying my turn one a lot of times is a lot of out-of-activation movement. So you're going to bring pieces to your crew mm. that's going to kind of push your beaters up. It's going to push, you, you know, your killers up to get more likely in range of those oncoming threats. Yeah. First first half of turn one is me moving forward with auto activation movement. Mm -hmm. Second half is trying to crush as much as I possibly can. Just like yeah. beat down as much as I can. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about the alpha um, when we get to that part of this. But Chris, what are you looking to do for your turn one usually? I think your turn one's usually a little different than what Dixon's talking about. Well, it depends on what master I'm, I'm bringing to the table. Yeah. Um, with Anya, exactly the same thing as Dixon's talking about. So I'll use a lot of out-of-activation moves to get uh, 
my two positional pieces up and then I will alpha strike with, you know, either Anya or, um, you know, someone else. Yeah. Um, but, uh, with Nexus, uh, which I've been playing a lot recently, my, uh, my turn one is set up for summonings. So you have to bring a lot of markers out. You've got to, you know, have at least five web markers out in order to get yeah. the full effect of, uh, of Nexus and, uh, Meredith and uh, cryptologist to bring yeah. out two berserkers. Yeah, and I was gonna say I think that's definitely important too for summoners. Like you said, there's a lot of setup a lot of times with that. So, for example, I'm I'm starting to I got Ulix coming in the mail, and I know when I play him, it's gonna be a lot of setup. Whether I'm playing Ulix one or two, one is gonna be setting up and growing the pigs to a certain size, and the other one's gonna be putting fire out and pushing my pigs through to then grow them up in size. So there's a lot of setup with those summons for sure. And the yeah. replace mechanics. One of the things I really like about the, uh, the old Nexus, not the new Nexus, the old Nexus is, uh, is her ability to uh, position her pieces oh, yeah. while, while putting those markers out. It's phenomenal. So, yeah, because you put the, what is it? You target a model, you put the web marker down and then you place the model somewhere. Yeah. And then you place the model, uh, base to base with the model that you drew line of sight through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's phenomenal. So you're moving pieces up the board while leaving web markers back where you need them. Yeah. And then another, and probably the last kind of thing that you can usually do for your turn one is a lot of the things I do on my turn one is a lot of times setting up to get in position to score turn two. So mine's not always necessarily trying to get the kill and I don't play a lot of summoners. So that's not usually what I'm setting up. I'm usually setting up with, okay, I need a model to go get ready to get into my opponent's deployment zone. I need to get, you know, X amount of scheme markers down this turn so I can score or spread them out. Um, maybe I need to start doing some damage to a model so I can score vendetta or I can score assassinate. So when I'm moving, I'm more looking at setting up kind of the victory points as opposed to the alpha, which I do. We'll talk about that when I decide to go alpha and when I don't. And then I can definitely, I need to get used to the summoning game. Uh, I recently, obviously I started playing Dash a little bit and that's definitely, I think the setup is trying to figure out which turn and activation to summon which model. Um, I think it's a little easier for Cadmus because it's just, eyes and ears and then grow up to the stupid uh whatever those hell those abominations are yeah those things so that's pretty easy but when you have you know a summoner like dashel sometimes it's hard because you're like oh do i want you know a marksman here do i want you know an executioner do i have the cards for an executioner so that's definitely interesting that we all had those three different kind of setups and turn ones there so let's, let's be honest though if you have the card for an executioner you're you're summoning an executioner. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think that whenever you get the chance to summon it, they're coming out because those derpy boys, <laughs> they do lots of stuff. They're so good. They are. All right. So I think the big thing people often think about, and especially new players, is kind of the alpha. So that's kind of the one I want to start with first. So Dixon, you're definitely kind of an aggressive alpha V player. So, uh, yeah, how would you kind of describe besides moving? What are some other things you want to try to do when you're setting up the alpha strike? 
I want to make sure that my crew is going to hit the hardest possible amount. Like, in my opinion, the, the strongest alpha in Neverborn is Nekima because you can easily... I'd say, I'd say probably in the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, very, very, very like it. It's like you can get ready to just come into somebody with, like, two focus already, turn one across 20 inches from the table. Like, it's it's amazing. So, Dixon, I guess my question is more, how do you decide which piece goes in for the alpha and how do you decide how like who how do you decide your target how do you decide where you're going to go and what you're going to hit uh can i kill them turn one can okay, i so kill them look, turn you're, one you're, before you're looking my... for a body turn one yeah, yeah if well i'm either looking for a body or i'm looking for something that's gonna deny my opponent points whatever okay. is available at the time so like i'm trying to like buy myself forward like for example say uh, back in in GG one, the the trick with the effigies, where like you could you know get an effigy yeah. to level up, and then you get the vendetta real fast like that. Yeah, yeah. So what I would like to do if I was playing Nekima is, oh, I see an effigy. More than likely, two points are on that one model. Kill that model, turn one. Like I just go hard in that model if I could possibly get there. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that uh, also. Uh, I talked about this, I think, over the summer when we did one of our tournament reviews. But there was there was a time I was playing Zip, and Zip can be quick, and he can be an alpha kind of uh, team crew. You know, that's the funny thing. In Vassal, that's the only way that I see him play, including myself. Yeah, Just well, that's, that's kind of the thing. Is, <laughs> and I saw the overextension turn one where he put his two Cillarids way too far up the board, and I just alphaed the crap out of them with my whole crew. I sent half of them this way, half that way, and I just obliterated them. It didn't matter that they had butterfly jump, they died. Nice. Yeah, so I think that's a big thing is looking at, okay, what are they going to use to score this game? Let me get rid of that as quickly as possible. Those are great targets, I think. I think, D Dixon, do you feel like too many times people like to alpha the master and that might be a mistake? Uh, when I was playing Zip, if I was playing against a master that had a defensive trigger and relies heavily on the defensive trigger, I alpha the shit out of that master with Zip and try to like get him get that master from that location all the way to my crew. That was literally my one hundred percent thing to want to do on turn one. It's like, all right, yeah. get that master out of there. Wham. <laughs> yeah, and I think that you can do that, but there's got to be a purpose to it. I don't think I know Nakima, and when I played her. It was kind of almost a mistake that I did a lot where I would all of a sudden dive into a master because I'd go head hunting. And I realized about halfway through, you know, the turn that it really didn't get me anything because maybe I didn't kill them and it's not even going to deny them points and it's not getting me any points. So I think you got to be I think alpha can be tough because, yeah, you can kill stuff. But the, the thing is, you got to be you got to select your targets. It's got to be purposeful. You got to choose the target because it's important for victory or important for denying. See, when I played Zip, I was playing Outcast, so that was way before I... Well, in my opinion, I didn't know half of the things that I know now. And Zip, uh, most of the time, people would quit. Like, if I killed their master turn one with Zip... Or Good game. Crew, Good game. Yeah, people G literally would just like, GG, I, I concede. And I'm like... Okay, so I probably missed a whole bunch of experience trying to deal with, you know, what happens if I kill the master or I, you know, you, you get what I'm saying? Like killing People the master the game, might yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. So like they conceded because their master died, but they could have probably won and I didn't know. 
Yeah, there's a lot of masters out there where, I mean, it's going to suck if they die, but, you know, it's not going to be the end of the game. It's not going, like the crew can still function without a lot of these masters. Well, especially with a Zip crew, because you take out Zip and his crew doesn't really care. Yeah, you got the uh, second captain, the first mate you still got to deal with. <laughs> That's true. Hate the first mate. Everybody, <laughs> everybody should hate the first mate. Looking at it, Dixon, if you're playing against somebody and... And I think it's important to realize who's, who's going to be the alpha in the matchup, right? Because usually there's going to be a crew that's going to be more aggressive. And whether it's turn one or turn two, there's going to be a moment in one of those two turns in the game where one of the crews is going to be more aggressive and be that alpha, or also you can call it the beatdown. So how do you deter? I mean, it sounds like you, you're always the beatdown. You're always the alpha. Isn't that true, Dixon? <laughs> I, 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 that's my goal is to be on top in combat by turn three so that I can start scoring points. I want to crush you, crush everyone. Gibson's style is I'm going to kill what you love and then score points. Uh, it's, it's work. It doesn't win all the time though. Like <laughs> it works a lot. It works a lot, but like, cause, cause it, it demoralizes the crap out of a lot of people every single time. Like if it succeeds, you know? I don't know. I I like it. <laughs> so, so Chris, let me ask you this. I think you have a pretty good mind and analysis for knowing when you're going to have an aggressive crew or opponent kind of coming into you. So if you if you see that this is an aggressive crew, Chris, what are you trying to do to kind of batten down the hatches to try and help prevent kind of di everything dying turn one? I am trying to bait. I will bait and I will switch and I will counter his alpha strike so how do you do that with either certain offer or... offer a good piece in, in return so i mean obviously it's you know you're going to lose a piece with an alpha strike like you know nekema you're not gonna you're not gonna counter her alpha strike well and i think that i think that's actually a really good point chris because I, I actually struggled quite a bit with Nikima when I was playing, especially in a few tournament games. But the last one I played, I offered up Maw as kind of the sacrificial goat to, ne to Nekima, Nikima. And I basically moved the rest of my crew down the flank. I, I, was, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go all the way down this flank. I'm going to go score points. And Maw and the little ass, and I think I put a Bokur there, were going to hold down Nikima for as long as they could. And it, I mean, it worked. Ma didn't die and Nakima did. So I was able to heal a little bit. I brought down some soul stone miners to help finish her off and it, uh, it won the day. So I definitely know what you mean as far as you got to kind of offer something up. And I think the key is when you know, you're going against an alpha player, offer them something that's going to, they're going to have to use more resources than normal. So it, it's tough with Nakima because of obviously the flight because she can pretty much either get into something and Dixon does she, anywhere. Yeah. Does she have shove aside? I can't remember. She does. Yeah. She so does. she can attack something, shove aside and go into a different model that she wants to be into. Yep. And if I remember correctly, she's stat seven as well. Now Dixon, since she's your alpha piece and so are the matures, are you looking to put the upgrade that lets her do more damage when she charges through? Or are you doing the one where it ignores the black jokers? Uh, she uh, it's the one that the when she charges she can go through blade rush yeah yeah, yeah. that's okay. what I put on her I mainly put it because of scamper but 
because it helps forget. her survive a little bit. Yeah, but you can't forget about the uh, the obvious benefit of like, oh, I slice through you automatically one damage, I get to attack yeah. you. Because if if the person has um a one inch range, you can just like slash through, be outside of one inch, attack them, slash through again, do it again, slash through. Like you can do it three times because she has frenzy charge. Yes, pretty, you can. Pretty, pretty gross. <laughs> it's pretty fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and. I don't know, Dixon, do you think that if an opponent knows that you're going to be playing all alpha and aggressive, do you think bringing healing is a good idea? Or do you think that that's kind of a waste of resources? It's hard to say. Against Nekima, I have seen healing work, especially uh, when they have like armor. Like armor two models with uh, healing and with shielding, I have seen them do a good, you know, fight yeah. against Nekima. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so maybe if you think like, hey, this is Turf Wars and Assassinates on the table, we're going to maybe bring an Alpha Master. Maybe you're thinking something more along the lines like Hoffman or some other just stocky crew that's not going to go away very easily. Yeah, something that doesn't go down to like a stiff breeze. Because like Hoffman definitely can sit and fight against Nekima. Okay. Yeah, especially now with the Metallurgist. Because like the Metallurgist is oh, gonna, so good. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. That, that's a great tech piece for stuff like uh, just hazardous terrain and and you know blast impulses and all that crap. Yep, yep, yep. So, yep. so good, so good. Can't wait. That's why Pete. That's why Pete's getting a little bi curious with the guild, and also now apparently I'm going to try some outcast Montreal shenanigans. Yeah. Well, you uh, have a problem. An another. I mean, <laughs> Another good thing about uh, Hoffman is Hoffman technically can be armor three against Nekima if you really, really need it. Armor three. So what gives him the plus one armor? The, the, guild, the guild upgrade. Yep. Uh, no, no, the guild upgrade makes you armor one. It doesn't add plus one armor. Yes, it does. No, plus it one. doesn't. You're yes, a liar. Read it. You're a damn liar. I'm going to nope. pull it up right now. A hundred percent, son. It's amazing. I don't believe you. <laughs> it's like it's too good it's too good it's like really if it was too good guilt would be like op <laughs> oh i bet you does i know oh <laughs> uh, seems kind of good it's really good but it's it's only really good whenever you have to like stand and fight specifically we're talking yeah. about turf war or we're talking about like something like you have to have hoffman in a certain part of the map so if you want him to survive and you think you need it you have the absolute the option of let line code and guilt Okay, so let's kind of, so we know we got an alpha possibility. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing about being the alpha player is not being overly aggressive, not just attacking something to go attack it, kind of like what we already spoke about. So, Chris, I know you like a lot of the summoning and you like a lot of the setup shenanigans. So do you think summoners have some decent counterplay to those alphas because they can summon stuff to go tie them down? Absolutely. That's, uh, that's the the first thing that comes to mind whenever I'm going against an alpha strike player is summon a couple of pieces, go tie them down. Should be, you know, hold my own. So Chris is just, I'm going to go ahead and replace this eyes and ears with a berserker husk. And then it's going to go ahead and creep along and then move and charge. Yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. That's so gross too. It's like, Oh it my is. God. Like, and then uh, you're just like, Oh no, your mature ate my berserker husk. Here's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Because you can get here's, two of them a third. Here's another. So good. Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Dixon, with the uh, cryptologist. Uh, Hell yeah, anytime, man. 
Dixon, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my idea. I just relay the things that Vassal has uh, found. Yeah, you just relay the explorer's nonsense to Chris, and then he tries it out, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of the strengths of Vassal. Like, you start seeing people just, like, experiment with shit, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, what is this? (laughs) Why? I I get mine from, like, Bayou chat and stuff, so it's really just obscure jank instead of just broken nonsense. (laughs) Especially with Maeve. Maeve's like, what if you put a rooster rider with a blah, 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 and it's something that you wouldn't even think about? But, you know, Maeve's tried it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she can make it work. Yeah. If she can make it work. You can make it work. Right, Pete? That's that's how it works. I mean, I'm not that creative, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a meat and potato kind of guy. So, I, and then I think the other turn one that I think more people need, and this is even with your alpha strike. So this is actually turn one with any of these types of setup is you need to really practice the setup of your crew. And what I mean by that is you really need to figure out, okay, what are my early activation pieces? When are they going? Where are they moving? And what are they doing turn one? So a good example of this, I'll use Maw Tucket just as an example, because I think 90% of my Maw Tucket turns look very similar. Exactly the same. Yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, usually it's Maw Tucket actually activates first on turn one puts out a bunch of focus, pushes a couple models, puts pit traps down, probably draws some cards. And then you get the little last, a horrible holler up. And then after that, if I have one or two soul stone miners, they end up, you know, getting a soul stone and then they go and dig into the ground. So they're buried. And then after that, I'm going to go ahead and probably activate something like a test subject to go get some injured on it. And then Maybe I'm doing something like Big Brain Brin and I'm drawing cards and calculating possibilities. And you're really not getting to kind of like what you were saying, Dixon. You want to delay your actually active pieces. So the ones that you're going to shoot and damage. So if I'm doing the Rooster Riders, those are going to probably be towards the end of my activation because I want them to go run. I want them to shoot at something. Maybe I want them to flip the breakthrough marker. So you want to really get your kind of, I don't want to call them nonsense activations, but you want to get your setup and then you're just kind of throwaway activations out of the way so you can set up a good shot against some good targets during turn one if you want to. Yep. Yeah, that's always my recommendation when it comes to, you know, tournament play. Do do what you know you're going to do as opposed to what you need to think about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's also good is you should think about what you're doing next during your opponent's activation, right? So if I see, and I'll do this all the time, especially when Chris activates like Nexus and he's like, I'm going to summon this. And he's just flipping cards and doing all this bullshit, right? It's just bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. It's just, you know, (laughs) stupid. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, he's going to get eyes and ears and some dumb shit. And what am I doing this next activation? So while he's doing all that summoning nonsense, I I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, a soul stone miner next turn or, okay, I'm going to go ahead and horrible holler with a little ass, or I'm going to go ahead and do a bushwhacker and, you know, do this. So you you really want to make sure that your turn one, you want to make sure it's smooth, make sure it's very purposeful. You want to have it practiced because even if your crew doesn't play the same way every time, you should have a certain cadence that it's like, okay, it's, the turn one should look like this. If I'm playing Hoffman, I want to give these types of models fast. If I'm playing Cadmus, I want to get these models up the board so they can, you know, bog it down. If I'm playing Nakima, I want to get my matures and I want to get, you know, Nakima pushed as far up the board with as much focus as possible. So, yeah, it's first turn should be 
pig vomits a corpse. Pig, you know, a hundred percent. Like, pig gets himself into a good position. All right, yeah. second activation. Shaman spreads out focus, stabs somebody, drops another corpse for next turn, or gives out somebody focus with the uh, with the pokey stick spell. Yeah, no pokey stick spell. Uh, I call it the pokey stick spell. It's a uh, he has a spell. so for you for you non Dixon blade players the non what I don't know what the hell is it Dixon. I'll tell you in a second. I'll tell you in a second. It's a spell that basically what it does is it's a tactical action. You punch a um, what you call it a model with black blood. It's called black blood postal. And if you hit them, it increases the aura of the black blood by one inch, and it also does one damage to the person. Right? Yeah. But the shaman has a trigger called preparations, and it says target gains focus plus one. So if you get a tome and a five, and, oh, sorry, if you get at least a five tome, you can start giving out people uh, focus. So he can give focus to everybody, and then he can give up to two more people focus plus one. Yeah, he's and really I, really good. I think something else we need to think about that we actually didn't even say is how much does deployment zones play a factor into your turn one? With Nakima, not that much, unless it's corner. But like Pandora, I absolutely hate like anything that's not like wedge or flank. <laughs> what about what about you, Chris? Do does deployment kind of dictate what kind of crew or how aggressive you're looking to be? Absolutely, absolutely, very, very much so. Uh, again, especially in tournaments. So. Uh, the last tournament I ran up at uh, Giga in Atlanta, um, I was up against Neverborn. And, you know, my first thought when it comes to Neverborn is, you know, drop Seeker, break it up, go up the board. But, uh, you know, it was uh, corner deployment and it was symbols. So that's not a possibility. So deployment had to go with Anya, had to go with someone fast. Yeah. And I think something else is the terrain and deployment is really something you need to look at. And I know last night, Chris and I played a game and he ended up, I picked one of the corners because it actually, I mean, Cadmus is a very bubble. I'm going to be here kind of crew. And where Chris had to deploy, it really funneled him through only about two different avenues he could go through. And that allowed me to kind of position well and really set up these interlocking sectors of fire where I could just, as soon as they came through that breach or came through that hole, it created this like funnel of death where, you know, summon models and, and berserker husks and little children were just getting <laughs> shot up by the kin. So you actually described something that I, I, I thought of after we did the terrain episode. And I'm sad about that. With yeah. experience comes what you just described. Because remember when we were talking about terrain, like you're picking deployment zones. After, yeah. yeah, when you're picking deployment zones, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for spaces where the fight's going to be. And that only comes with experience. You're going to be like, okay, turn two, we're kind of, kind of going to be on this area. So what you do is a really good idea of it. Like, try to make people go into a little area and just shoot well, the shit out of them. <laughs> well, and that's, especially if you're playing a gun line like Kin or if you're playing Family or any any other, I mean, Von Schill has a crap ton of guns too. So you play Are, any of these... Yeah, and you shoot any you shoot the crap out of people, but it's a military term. You want to go ahead and try to force the fight where you're, you're like, I know that they can only go through these three spots unless they have flying. So flying kind of it really mixes messes up kind of what you're trying to do there, and you got to plan accordingly. But if they don't, 
you know they're coming through these areas. And interlocking sectors of fire is just a tactic where you have models that you have more than one model that's covering an area. So I might be covering, you know, from nine to noon if we're looking at a clock with one model. And then I have another model that's also covering from 11 to, you know, four. And you just have these interlocking sectors where it's like multiple models can put bullets onto one model if it pops its head up. And when you're playing something like kin, family, whatever, you really want to make sure that you try to use the terrain and know where they're going to come out. And when they do, you need to have enough guns to make them pay for it. Because if you don't, you're going to do something stupid like half of Explorers does where it's like, oh, crap, this model's about to die. Let's move them back. Yep. And it's not just Explorers. We talk shit because Chris is, you know, OP (laughs) with the Explorers. But the there's plenty of crews out there where there's I've got your back. There's, you know, push back. There's. Uh, heroic intervention or whatever that one ability is called. So there's a lot of mechanics out there that can move a model. So when it when they make the mistake and commit a model, you really need to take advantage of it and pounce on it. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier too, Dixon. Yep. So so that right there is also it's this is the weird part. I I technically would call it a alpha strike, but you're kind of like setting up the trap for people to lay you into it and then you shoot them. Not oh yeah, like, kin, kin can definitely be alpha strike, but it's more reactive. You you might get it. Right. And I think that's the that's the alpha part of it where it's like if they make the mistake and they do come forward too much, then unload on them and yep. that is alpha. It's just not shooting up the board like Nakima does. Correct. So like that's the thing cuz like there's multiple ways cuz a gun link can be alpha with like a couple of movement shenanigans. Like doesn't even cuz hollow roll hollering on the right sniper, like if you have, like, say for example, you have Rami, and mm-hmm. Rami doesn't have the line of sight, and you don't want to move him by walking, you just want to like shoot twice, you can hollerable hollering him 10 inches forward into a position where then he goes, you know, I got you in my sights, and then just end somebody. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about Kin is you don't even need to, that's bringing him out of keyword, obviously, but yeah, in keyword, sure. you, you just use the young, and you just need an adult up the board. Yep. Yep, but that's only five inches. That's my point. Like, like you're paying one point extra for Rami to be able to be pushed 10 inches forward. Oh, Rami is absolutely one of the best out of keyword models for, for Bayou. I mean, he's he puts out so much. He can, you know, ignore armor. He uh, has crit strike. He can shoot a couple times. Uh, he's, for an enforcer who doesn't have a lot of health, he's actually pretty hard to kill because he's usually way out of the way. And he he gets shielding, so he's tough to kill. In another awesome thing that he does, uh, he sometimes adds the element of a mini alpha strike to a crew that doesn't have that normally. Yeah, because his range is so ridiculously long, you can do your normal schemey things with a crew, and just have Rami just be like, "Oh, by the way, surprise! Boom! Your scheme runner is gone now." Well, I think yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I think that's definitely something that. If you are not paying attention, something that you want to think about is there are certain conditions that people are going to put out that are going to be a red flag, going to be like the buzzers are going off that you're about to get alpha. And I think a lot of conditions definitely show you that something's about to happen that's going to be bad. And I think when people start putting injured on your models, when people start putting conditions like maybe you see fire from Karis or you see... Uh, poison from Brewmaster. 
if you start seeing them load up conditions on a model of yours, you know they're probably going to come into it somehow and wreck the crap out of it. Get it out of there. Yeah. Yes. 100%. It's like, oh, this is bad. I yeah, this, this is bad. Go away. The game bad. That we, yeah, the game that we played, we like put like four damage on Nino, and I was like, all right, I got to activate Nino before he dies. Yeah, okay, well, and I think <laughs> you have to realize that it, when it's getting set up like that, it's, you're like, well, I can't get out of here, so I guess I'm going to get an activation out of it. Right. It's exactly right. It's like, I'm going to try to get some cards, some damage, something out of this model. Well, and th that's <laughs> all. I mean, Chris did that last night, too. There was one of the little kids that was getting, you know, tossed around by Maris. And <laughs> and Chris was just like, I'm just going to let this thing die. It's, it, there's no, I'm not saving this. <laughs> I mean, she already did her job with putting Parasite tokens and shit. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's just... That's a mistake I've made in a tournament for. That's the last rage quit that we talked about that I did, where I put so many resources into trying to save Francois that it just wasn't worth it. He took, he, so he actually tanked the Alpha Strike from Nakima, but then he was so battered and the resources were so drained turn two that he died anyway. So, oh, geez. Yeah. It, it wasn't a good use of resources. So when you get Alpha Strike, sometimes you just need to be like, yep, I just, I got it. Need to try and rebound. So we kind of talked about something that I think is interesting that people that do play Alpha Cruise need to think about. And we hinted at it when we talked about the kin possibly being an Alpha Strike and saying when it's there, take it. And when it's not, don't. And I, I think Zip's a really good example of this because I know, Dixon, you're super aggressive and you usually try to dumpster, you know, people with Zip. But when I play Zip a lot of times, I'm actually turn one using him to set up things like move Earl, you know, 16 inches up the board. Or I'm using him to lay down some pianos to block line of sight for some scheme runners that I have. So I think that when you play an alpha crew, there's going to be points where you need to recognize that I know this is an alpha crew, but turn one, maybe it's because it's corner. You're like, turn one, if I actually go into somebody, I'm just wasting activations. And I mean, how many times do you run into that, Dixon? Um, pretty much every game. Yeah, where maybe it's like, is it worth it for me to actually go in here? Yeah, because like, depending on... Uh, well, since I play Vassal, usually the people that I play are just sharks. They're just looking for that blood in the water. And it's true, dude. Like, it's it's That's why that's why I had to take a break from Guild for a little bit. I'm like, okay, my mind is is getting destroyed here because they're just they're just trashing your models <laughs> yeah yeah because you're like you're like okay this is my game plan okay i'm gonna do my game plan a little bit before i have to attack and all of a sudden it's like oh, i just lost a key model now uh that's I not good i love my models yeah it's like uh, i guess i was one inch too close uh in that sense i believe that you have to be aware that you can't just do your game plan you have to at least know the threat of your opponent it's like all right yeah. my opponent has a sniper that can hit me from 24 inches away I have to put line of sight blocking terrain in between me and that. Like it, it, it's a thing that you have to prioritize. Yeah, but I think it's important, Dixon, to realize that if they do have that, don't give them the 14 inch shot, right? Give them right. the 24. Right. You want to make them use more resources to put that damage out than is necessary. I'm, I was using that as an example. Like yeah. more often than not, what ends up happening is I'll, I'll use an example of Nekima because that's that's uh, usually what I like to do. Uh, with her is 
somebody moves within 18 inches, right? Or somebody is within 18, 18 inches of her. And I know that the activation is like a key component to give everybody else like focus or draw cards or do something like that, right? Yeah. I will activate a model second activation if that model, if the model that I have to kill is like, like literally readily available, you know? And I'll uh, have a mature literally fly out across the table turn one without focus even just to beat the crap out of that one model. An example, yeah. uh, say say you activated already the shaman, right? So it's like third activation with Nekima, and there's a mature with two focus already, for example. And you're playing against um, Dashel, Summoner Dashel. You know, Summoner Dashel. What's the what's the most important piece for him? Do you remember uh, Radio it's Dude? It's a dispatcher. Radio Dude. I will send a mature third activation just to crush that little fucker. <laughs> I don't Chris, care. Chris learned the one game we played. He's like, that dispatcher's kind of annoying, <laughs> right? Isn't he? He's just so damn well, annoying. And three, he, three points, man. Three points. And he has, <laughs> and he has Serene Continent too. Oh, so funny. He's good. Yes. That that change they did to the dispatcher, mm -hmm. where he counts as a friendly and enemy. Right. There's so many abilities within guard. Where it's like remove an enemy scheme marker and his ability is like oh if it would be removed draw a card instead yeah that's so dumb it's so good it's so good it should it should at least do one point of damage to him nah i'm a hundred percent against the fact that it just like straight bonus it's like dude eh, really that's it's fine no it's not it's not yeah. fine oh no, it's, it's totally not okay. fine it's, it's totally not wrong. it's not pete when you go against this <laughs> oh man when now you're that playing he's... it it's great <laughs> Oh, but yeah, like that's that's the type of thing I'm talking about. Like sometimes you you see you smell blood in the water, and you're like, oh, that model is available, and I have the tools now. You go across the table and reach out. That's why I was using an example as a sniper because more crews in the game have access to a sniper. The story that I said about my uh, Bandersnatch, where Angel fucking took a focus shot with the stupid fucking sniper minions from. Um, you're uh, the girl, my, my talking. What are the name of those guys? They're Bushwhackers. Motherfuckers. That's what they are. Anyway, Dude, I have I have one shotted Bushwhacker or Bushwhackers have one shotted Chris's minions so many times. Dude, my my friend Angel, I will never forget. He sniped one shot at my Bandersnatch. Turn one, first activation. Oh, yeah. I was oh, yeah. so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> well, because the thing is, they're up the board, and usually turn one, you're you're not doing much anyways because they can't scheme turn uh -huh. one right so you're gonna just concentrate to get a focus turn one right and you might do it again turn two so anything that comes close to him is going to take a focus shot and it's no joke that that rifle's pretty decent oh my lord it's it's uh, i do want to bring something up though it's funny how you're willing to sacrifice a mature nephilim at 10 points to kill that dispatcher at three points i would not say sacrifice have you ever had the displeasure of having a mature in your front lines <laughs> it's not easy to take them down no it's not easy to take them down but it's still i mean you're you're putting it up there for for the taking oh dude you take down that stupid dispatcher you don't have to do it's worth it yeah oh no, my god it's, yeah it's so worth it the value like that dispatcher might as well be 20 points like that's how good that well, stupid model and, is. and i think that's the key of what we're talking about with that alpha strike dixon is yeah. that it's it's not just throwing them up there right if you were waiting for the dispatcher because you know it's an important model 
you're either going to wait for it to be severely put out of place where it's easy pickings, or you're going to wait till the end of the turn and jump on it. That way you either get first activation with mature or you get a quick second activation with the mature. That way there's not as much of a threat. And hey, if they start pounding, and that's the great thing. So if you end up doing damage to the mature turn two, let's just say, it's going to black blood splash onto the dispatcher and probably kill it through black blood. Yes. Also, shooting into the mature, say, say somehow you haven't killed the dispatcher. That may happen. If you haven't killed the dispatcher, that means it's still in melee with the mature. So the mature now has friendly fire as a defense. Yeah. Like there's there's a couple of things. Also, he's not going to be alone for long because like if I send the mature on turn on third activation, fourth activation is going to be either another mature or Nikima. Nikima. So like yeah. he's not going to be alone by by you know for too long. That's just the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and you know it's I I kind of am really excited to get Ulix back because Ulix is the same way except for it's just war pigs. Yeah, it's a, it's either a war how pig quickly or a, can I get a yeah how quickly can I get a war pig into your line? It's either a war pig, a wild hog, or a uh, what's the name of the squeakers? Squealers? The squealer. Yeah, fuck those things. Like they're cute. Yeah, they look like Bane. Yeah, everything they're that has Bains. everything that has stampede in your fucking faction is a threat, dude. This that is means automatic damage. I mean, stampede's one of my favorite abilities. I I just love ramming into things and just like take a point. Bam. And it's my, my phrase, yeah, my phrase is, I always tell Chris, I'm going to take a point to do a point. Yep. Yeah. And and I don't even call it stampede. I just tell Chris, take a point, do a point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and he just there's... shakes his head. Doesn't matter. Like, oh, I have armor. Oh, I have this. Like, take a point, do a point. Incorporeal, oh, yeah, suck my balls. That's right. <laughs> so I think that turn one, the last thing that I really want to talk about with this is we've had a lot of good discussion here, but the last thing that I think is you really need to practice your movement in turn one. Uh, if you're a newer player, you might want to think about bringing some crutch pieces to help you with movement. So that might be things that do pushes, that might be things that ignore other models, uh, like the Alpinist for, uh, for Explorers. That's a good model to be like, yeah, you can just move through crap. Uh, if you have incorporal models, they can just move through models and terrain. Uh, that helps out new players a ton. And if you don't, though, so if I'm playing a crew like Hoffman, especially this new Hoffman, you know, inventor model, where he's also on a 50. So I have him on a 50. I have the Peacekeeper on a 50. Maybe I have, uh, you know, two other models, three other models on 50s, a couple of 40s. You have to practice your turn one because you want to see, okay, what am I going to do to move my models out of activation which models do i want to push up which model do i want to move up as kind of like that tempting piece that chris talked about and then who needs to be kind of in the back supporting and how am i not going to get in my way so i really think people need to practice that turn one just to figure out which models to activate but how to not get in your own way when you're doing your turn oh yeah i can't tell you how many times i practiced turn one with you know mccabe you know, Nexus, so many models that require that, you know, the, the reps. Yeah. Cause Chris, you've played, I mean, you've played a lot of crews that you have reps with, 
but there will still be turns where you're just like, well, that was a mistake. Now I can't move there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Chris, Chris will just say, I'm a dumbass. (laughs) I I do have a couple of models uh, to recommend if you're playing Neville Bar at the very least. And uh, one model to recommend if you're playing Guild. Nobody wants to play Neverborn. If you if you want to play Neverborn and have a model that moves around, there's the Aversion and there's the uh, there's obviously Matures and 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 uh, which we we'll call it the Shaman. The Shaman, in my opinion, if you have a model that's like height one that you need to move around, Shaman is amazing and he can potentially become a Mature. If you have 11 points to spare, you can have a mature that can basically take any two, uh, size two or less model, just fly them across the board. So, oh, I, see, I thought you were going to say to bring a rider. Nope. The rider, in my opinion, is a little over costed. Uh, that's a little too, ex- that's a too expensive of a taxi for you to bring. Yeah. In guild, I was going to say the rider because I think that rider in guild is like just money it's chess uh, you, you, you can bring the mounted guard as well you can bring models like gracie uh, i definitely think uh, and that's what i was talking about with a crutch right is anything that has fly with me or ride with me yes. is good to help you as far as move models when they're kind of in the way and friend and reminder we should have that too friend and reminder is a great ability as well that's the four inch push for as a quick action so, I mean, talking about Neverborn, Dixon, how cute is it to have the old puppet lady mm-hmm. where she can pick up the little puppets and then move them along? Oh, my Lord. You know, I, love I, it. I, I haven't done that in a few months now. I definitely need to start doing it again. That model is so much fun. I the <laughs> I played it probably five or six times. And every time I bring it, it's just so much fun just to put puppets out there and carry them around. And she puts out staggered, I think, right? Yes, actually, she's super deadly if somebody has staggered within, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, melee range of her, because you ignore all negatives to attack and damage whenever you're attacking with her against somebody that has staggered, and she can hit for, like, six damage. Like, she's a beast. <laughs> yeah, so I think in your crew especially, and even if, you, even if you're practiced, a model with ride with me, fly with me, pushes and pulls, those are good things to bring anyways, just because there's going to be times in the game where you need to get somewhere and that's going to help. You don't want to walk. You want to walk as, le- you know, you don't want to walk hardly at all if you have to. Right. Turn one, you'll do it a little bit, but really charges, pushes, um, places, those are the kind of things that you want to do because they're more effective or more efficient. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. So. The, there was, uh, I remember early in the, in the in M3 coming out, they said if, if you can basically tell who won a game by how many times one player walked to the other. Whoever has the yeah. least amount of walks usually wins. Yeah, the only time I really like walking is um, in Bayou. You can bring, I think it's Inferiority Complex, which gives you Swagger. Yes. Um, swagger, I, I feel a lot better with that because I can just be like, all right, well, I actually want to walk once, so that way I'll get a focus and I'll move. Yep. And, and if you're one of those players that like to walk and then uh, concentrate, you when inferior complex, you get to focus for your for your problems. So like that's also another bonus yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel like that's what their turn one is. It's I'm going to walk up with this model and concentrate. I'm going to walk up with that model and concentrate. Right. And I think that's a good place to start when you're trying to learn your turn one. But I think after you kind of get into it, you'll realize that you don't do that with every model. Because honestly, there's a lot of models out there you really don't even need focus on. 
a lot. I mean, yeah. because what, what's the model I was putting it on? I think I, I think it was actually the dispatcher. I think I put, I concentrated with the dispatcher and there was literally nowhere in the game where I used it because there wasn't really an attack action that I needed to use it. You, I think maybe, I think maybe I used it once to put adversary out, but besides that, I didn't get much use out of it. Eh, he's there to make your summons available. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I'm saying is I didn't, is. I didn't need to waste the action. I could have done something else. I could have moved. I could have, you know, I could have done something else. I, I had time. I should have thought. Oh yeah, for sure. There was time. <laughs> so definitely practice that folks. I think that's definitely something people need to work on is looking at turn one, learning how to unpack your turn one. So what models do you want to move? What order do you want to activate them in? Which models do you want to be kind of that, you know, the, the point man, which one do you want to be in the front that can take a hit? Uh, you don't want to just put a squishy model out there and then have Dixon, you know, ravage it. So uh, in your guys' opinion, what would be a good example of a model that you play? And you can list a couple if you want, but what's, what's maybe a model or two where you're like, this is a good point man on turn one to take any kind of aggro hits coming their way? For me, Alsos Rex and the Emissary. Really? And and obviously matures those three yeah for sure like in in Pandora is a little different Pandora I I really don't move anybody forward except Pandora and then everybody yeah. else kind of like gets closer after Pandora just goes in ham okay yeah that's what I like to do with Pandora it's just like all right waste activations waste activations Pandora is like the last activation of mine okay missile her directly into the enemy crew and then start messing with them. Hey, you, punch that guy in the face really hard. Really hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. What about you, Chris? What's some models that you like throwing up there just to have your opponent try to do damage to? I think we've already talked about it, but uh, Berserker Husks. That is literally what they are there for. What about yeah, seen... Mikhail? You don't like Mikhail going forward? Yeah, yeah well, Mikhail with, is good. Yeah, with Seeker, yeah. Mikhail, absolutely. Well, especially, so Seeker is another problem because... Mikhail's tough to deal with, but even if you do manage to alpha and kill him, unless you get him out of the bubble, he's just going to come back. Yep. It's like, oh, so, I finally got him. Okay, life token. Son of All right, a well, bitch. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say mine right away, but if I'm playing Bayou, what are some of my frontline models that you guys think I throw up there to just get in the mix and take the alpha? Whiskey Golem, First Mate, and uh, Gracie. Okay, what about you, Chris? What do you think are some of my frontline models that I run interference with? I refuse to answer this question. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I thought you guys would get it right on the nose. It's usually test subjects if I'm playing Maw. It's always test subjects. Test subjects are so good at just getting a bunch of injured and then just go. And I... it. it Chris can play it 20 times, but it his face is always priceless when he attacks a test subject with like six injured on it. And I'm like, all right, I flipped a 20. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you flip the red joker? No, I like flipped a 10 or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, it's he's, dumb, man. It's dumb. He's just defense 10. What? It's not broken. It's just defense 10. I do run interference with Gracie. Gracie is a great kind of frontline model just because she heals so much. And she has armor and she can have shielding on. I love it when Gracie lays down and takes a nap. That's always one of my favorite triggers. 
Um, so yeah, definitely some, I think that's another thing you need to figure out with your crew and faction is what model can you comfortably, you know, expose to try and get your opponent to jump in on, to make them think that they're the alpha, but when they hit, you know, Grace here, they hit a test subject, they're like, oh crap, that didn't go as well as I thought it was going to go. And then you pounce on them. Hmm. First mate's great as a, as one of those models too, just because of butterfly jump stealth and then, uh, disguise. Yeah, disguise. That's why I said <laughs> I said him, and I said also the whiskey golem with the disguise, because the same reason. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't definitely put, not He doesn't put disguise on the whiskey golem. It uh, the only hmm, he's defense six armor too. Yeah, but I don't think I've put upgrades on the whiskey golem lately because I've been mainly just figuring out brewmaster, and. Um, I haven't messed with that too much yet. I think the one time I brought an upgrade, it was inferiority complex, just so that way I had swagger with it. Okay. Because sense. it has the it has the bonus walk, and then you get a focus with it. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, Pete. I remember vaguely, I used the uh, the the bolt and I used, um, whatchamacallit, Alphonse to extend thread so I can alpha people in can buy you but you didn't even mention them at all so like do you even alpha bro <laughs> um honestly um so if i'm gonna alpha it's not usually first off alphonse i really don't bring too much out of keyword oh um just because yeah he has the toss yeah i i have used the pick a pole to extend threat ranges so i've used that a bunch of times on chris where it's like okay i'm gonna throw wong up the board 18 inches Yo. um i'm gonna throw you know this little beater up you know 18 inches i love how like um, people are like but now he's slow i'm like bro you just you you just tossed a model you just moved 18 <laughs> inches how how is that okay <laughs> like um, what the hell? yeah and it's it's good and i definitely i'll do that especially if i feel like i need to get up the board and I know my opponent's going to be, you know, coming in hot and heavy. Uh, as far as Alphonse, I just, I wish he was a little cheaper. Just because I know the toss is good and I definitely have used it to effect. But it just, once he, get, once he does that, then I'm just, you kind of have this slow beater that's just kind of moseying around the board. And he goes down relatively easy. He's not super hard to kill. He is not super hard to kill. I mean, he doesn't really move, in my opinion, from like the the side of the master. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I use well, who, are you to, like, who are you? Who are you tossing then? Uh, at the time, I tossed. Well, I learned this from Not So Innocent, uh, which he's a really good bio player from Germany, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, you, yeah, you were telling me about it. He he tossed Ma all the way forward. I okay, tossed Ma and but... Whiskey Golem. Okay, but <laughs> but you just you just said yeah. What's up? Okay, to tossing the whiskey golem actually sounds pretty sick. But yeah, that's the reason but, why. But you're just saying like I don't leave the master's side. Well, once you toss Maw off the fucking board, it's gonna take Alphonse forever to go chase yeah, her down. No, in that case, because I, I was just trying out weird, crazy things. Uh, I, I had a crew with like Ma, uh, Big Brain Brain. Uh, whiskey golem which he's out of keyword i know but i he was like 13 points in that list it was something dumb but it, it worked I, out i also think dixon that looking at alphonse and the whiskey golem yeah 
those models are expensive. And then oh, yeah. if you're bringing them out of keyword, they're more expensive. And then if you add an upgrade to the whiskey golem, that's even more expensive. Oh yeah. Alphonse was uh 12 points. Whiskey I, was 13. I know you looked at my <laughs> list because we played a bunch of times now, Dixon. I think for the most part, besides maybe one or two decently expensive models, I, I think I actually play pretty minion and enforcer heavy. I think I, I like getting more activations that I can kind of get points out of than some of these elite crew activations. So I don't, I, I don't know if I know that you play against some of the more aggressive players on Vassal and I know that they definitely like elite hard hitting crap. Yeah. But I, I think there is something to be said to, you know, that's kind of a cute combo. Right. But for that 26 points or whatever it is. Right, right, right. I could have brought like four or five different models. Oh, 100%. Like, I don't know. I don't remember the rest of the game. I remember that I had fun and I, it worked fairly well because hmm. it was something along the lines of like, Whiskey Golem is now in the middle of the table with this guy. That does then, seem funny. Yeah. And, and it, it was like, okay, I move for free with nimble charge and do some nasty crap. That, that reminds me of when Chris tossed Calypso up the damn board. Yes. <laughs> I was like, mother of God. Yeah. So that that's. I honestly, I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know if it's great, but I know that it worked well. <laughs> the point is, it's just fun. Who cares if it's good, oh, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, the the reason for all of that to work is because Ma has the ability to get two pass tokens for Freezy. Yeah. So, and that was the reason why. It was like, oh, Ma gets two extra pass tokens. I pass all the way down. Yeah. Alphonse activates, moves both those two models out in the middle of the table. They activate and kill like a model or two. And there's yeah, no retaliation. And- and honestly, there is something that holds me back with some of those wombo combos. Right. Because I really do like, for the most part, staying in keyword. I like bringing in some versatiles, and sometimes I'll throw in maybe one out of keyword that really kind First of fits well. First mate, you could throw in any list. Yeah. Which is sure. funny because there's a lot of Bayou players out there who thinks he, he's, you know, kind of overpriced and overhyped. No. Nah. Those people I don't, are I don't, all wrong. I don't, I don't believe it. It's, okay. all, it's, just, it's just like I said. Sometimes you're like, well, you know, I can bring two models instead of first mate. Yeah, but the first mate does the work of three models. So the first mate's down one points. model. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. First mate. He's yeah, so I, damn good. Like I have had so many games. So many games, Pete. In Neverborn. Well, and playing... the funny thing is first mate even got nerfed in that first errata of, yeah. of, uh, of Mark or, uh, M3. In Neverborn, he got double uh, nerfed because he... Uh, well, actually, no. I think he got buffed in Neverborn. Yeah, yeah. He got buffed in Neverborn because we lost Butterfly Jump and we gained Scamper. So then when you use him in Neverborn, now he got Scamper and Butterfly Jump. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 I think he's awesome, dude. Like, I've had so many games where literally he wins me the game. He, like, he gets, well, like, three you, VPs. You don't have to convince Chris. Oh, he knows. <laughs> but, like, there's so many people out there that, like, they think he's a, a, a like overrated and overhyped, and it's like no, I think he's just right. <laughs> well, well, let me bring this cheaper Sillard and watch it die when it fails its <laughs> stupid leap. <laughs> Piece of shit Sillard. Uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of something else you need to think about when you're kind of when you're looking at your turn one you when you do bring those kind of expensive models you really do need to have a purpose with those models Mm -hmm. so whether it's dixon doing this really janky tossing the whiskey golem up the board or if it's you know the first mate 
you know, screaming down a, a flank to go score two or three points throughout the game. I, I think you need to have a clear purpose, not only with your master, but with expensive models like that. Yeah. You, you don't you don't have the activations when you bring elite models to dig around. I should pick up Bayou whenever you start playing guild, just so I can start doing janky shit. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I have these new models, and I'm going to definitely play them. I know. Um, with Outcast, with Von Schill, and then with... I mean, I already have Zip, so I could just do Zip uh, Outcast. But, um, and then also with uh, all this guild stuff. But, I mean, there's so much cool stuff coming out with Bayou that I just like, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to play Bayou. Like, Ophelia 2, I'm loving it. Recommendation when you start playing Outcast, uh, look into playing Barbaros. He is significantly better than he looks. Like, way better. When you playing get somebody for seven damage. A master or playing him? Oh, you can play him as a leader as well. Uh, I don't think that GG2 is good for him. But in GG1, he he, he played matures and shit, so... <laughs> in Outcast, what, that was what pretty is, funny. What is he in Outcast? Is he he's a versatile? I know he's Nephilim. Is he a versatile, though? Yeah, he's a versatile. So, like, in Outcast, you can play him... But he can't be hired by Nephilim. Correct. But, like, uh, whatchamacallit, in in Zip, you can fly him around, and he hits like a Mack truck. And he's oh, actually yeah. very survivable. I actually have the alt sculpt for him, so... Mm. Super pumped. Oh, yeah. No, I love the model. Like, I, I was super shocked at how good he was after I played him, like, three or four times. I was like, God bless. This guy is just amazing. You're just addicted to Nephilim. You play Nephilim in yeah. Outcast. You play Nephilim in Neverborn. You play Nephilim in Guild. I mean, technically, you can't help it. One of them is a totem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Literally, a lot of the crews you like have Nephilim in them. I don't know what your problem is. None. There's no problem. There's no problem here. <laughs> There's no problem. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's kind of uh, move towards the end of this thing. So do you guys, when you look at turn one, how important do you think turn one is as far as in-game play? Because... I think a lot of people stress other turns, and you don't score points turn one. So what the hell is the point? In terms of like vital importance, I think turn one would be like uh, if if you were scoring them, you know, one being one through five, right? One being the the lowest priority and five being the highest priority. I would put uh, turn one as a four, and then probably turn four as a five. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, so you're saying it's pretty much this, the second most important turn. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I know a lot of people are going to try to say, it's like, oh, fifth turn is the most important. It's like, well, things are kind of decided by turn four. Like, turn four, if you did everything well on turn four, you kind of like know what turn five is going to be. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that, just because if you're getting the second point for your scheme, you've probably already got that set up turn four. Correct. Or it's already denied turn four. Yeah, turn like four. Your, your opponent already got rid of it. Yeah, and on turn four, you should know already, can I score this on turn five? And turn five is just kind of like finish out the actions and that's it. Like you just kind of know already. Okay, what about you, Chris? How important do you think your turn one is? I think turn one is more important than turn five. <laughs> I'm same. That's, I agree. I uh, same part. Yeah. Oh, I'm well, sorry. I must have missed that part. Sorry. Yeah, he said turn four he thought was the most important and turn one being the second most important. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I think turn one is probably the most important turn in the game, setup-wise. 
I understand the concept of what you're talking about, but uh, I think turn one positioning and the uh, the ability to counter position and stuff like that uh, surpasses turn four because if you can get a good turn one position and pre-score, like uh, my bass list, remember with the break the line, then, you know, it's just phenomenal. Well, and I also agree that I think if turn one is not the most important, it's pretty close. And the, the reason is because I come from a Warhammer fantasy base. And what that means is in that game, movement was definitely the most important thing. Giving up flanks, giving up, you know, rear charges, uh, getting up the board, setting up, you know, your kill zones and everything else. And I, I think that's the same in Malifaux. I think putting good flanking models that can go score you schemes, I think outflanking your opponent to pick off their weaker models, uh, popping up in the backfield, I think getting maybe front loading some focus on your models, uh, pushing your models in position to score early. Uh, luring in maybe your opponent and setting up the alpha strike to kill stuff turn one. It's just, you can really, it might not win you the game every time, but turn one can set up a solid base for you to get ahead or even get your opponent a few steps behind. I mean, I think one of the best examples of that was Chris played with bass and that bass list where you can throw the, the breakthrough markers so far, all four of them up the board and your opponent's just sitting there still trying to get out of their deployment zone. I mean, how demoralizing and just at advantageous was that, Chris? It was amazing. Chris said it was amazing. Chris did say it was amazing. <laughs> I did win I did win that game 6-0 if I remember. So Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that's why turn 1's important because if you can get an advantage like that, not only am I just trying to do my thing, but now I'm trying to play catch up, right? And now it's like, oh, crap, I need to go do stuff to score points. I need to get those markers at least on the center line. You're not even trying to get them on Chris's side of the board at that point. You're just trying to get them back on the center line so you're not losing points. And it's throwing you off your game. You're Now you're not doing the thing that you want to do. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, if only Bass had more survivability, it would be great. great. Yeah, sounds like he would be too good. Great crew. It's still a good crew. It's still a good crew. Yeah. I mean, Bass himself and Rykart, I think it's called. Those two guys are tanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the new iteration of Bass. Yeah. At least in Guild, like, Bass with Leadline Code is really hard to take down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't move him. You can't move him. He's defense six, armor one. Hmm. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> defense six is good. Oh, and the, and the defensive thing, obviously. Well, yeah, the thing where it's like, oh, you're near concealment. Go F yourself. Yup. <laughs> and yeah, it's just definitely you You need to put thought into your turn one. And not only, I think the reason why you need to think the most about turn one is because that's the turn that you're going to have the most control and knowledge about. Meaning that the conditions are probably going to always be close to the same. You're going to have the capability to move and position your models the same almost every turn one. There's very few instances where your opponent is going to throw up, throw off your turn one activations as far as order and what you're trying to do. Um, so I think that's something that you want to practice and kind of get down so that way you can be better prepared to interact and react to what your opponent's doing. 
let's get a get get a quick uh, quick check here. Dixon, you've abandoned the guild. No, <laughs> mostly. I have gone into a guest house named Nevermore <laughs> for now. It's a trial separation. <laughs> yeah, Chris, meanwhile, you're faithfully married to uh, Nexus. I mean, uh, Explorers. Explorers all the way, man. <laughs> I am trying to get you to play some McCabe. I'm going to see if you can do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll play McCabe. I like waste. I like wastrel. I predict that he's gonna get crushed, and then he's gonna just like fuck this model. <laughs> that's what. So that's actually, if if Chris rage quit, it was pretty much like last night where he's just like, I don't want to play this anymore <laughs> with those new Nexus kids. Jeez. Yeah. If anyone uh, anyone listening to this has any uh, advice for how to utilize the Nexus uh, one of many masters, let me know. Well, I think the problem Chris and I found with them, Dixon, is they want a good front line in front of them, but the problem is a lot of the Nexus models aren't super tanky. Like, they can take a few shots because they can spread out the damage, mm. but they're not super hard to kill. Not, not Nexus, the new, the kids, they don't have We Are Legion. Yeah, that too. It is dumb. I completely missed that the first time I was looking at the card. Yeah, they don't have We Are Legion, so you can't spread their damage around. <laughs> well, and Dixon, let me ask you this because I think I know the answer to it. But if I take Assassinate, yeah. doesn't Chris have to nominate one of them as the leader and then that's the Assassinate target? Yes. Okay. Because Chris was like, no, you got to kill all three of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> The same thing with uh, uh, the the Vickies. The Vickies? Victor, yeah, yeah. Victorious. No, yeah. I know. Yeah, I was saying it should be that way. No, like they only have, they only have seven life, man. 20, that's the twenty-one boxes, though. So do the Vickies. Like Vickies get crushed. Well, they're not seven, but like they get crushed fairly. They do. Dude, I'm kind of pumped about that new Victoria coming out. I'm curious. I'm actually very curious. But like, I'm more pumped they, about they like get, they Pandora. gave them diving charge. Dude, like, I'm sorry, like, in in um, Outcast, I am super pumped for Leviticus. I am semi-pumped well, let, for... Well, let's, let's be honest here. Yeah. I think you're pumped for Levy because he can bring all the riders. Yes. I, that's <laughs> not even... Why do you think this is a mystery? This is not a mystery. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not, but I know you're super pumped about that. Bro, like, I could do that in uh, M1, and I could do that in M2E, like... I am super happy that I can get to do that now again. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I Levi literally Leviticus was my first master period, like back like 10, 12 years ago, something stupid like that. And I loved them. And then M M3E came out and I was like, you know what? I always play Outcast. Let me let me pick another faction. And that's why you see me we're never born now. Yeah, good job, weird. You got P. It's like shooting nerds <laughs> in a barrel. It's like, oh, cool! Look at this cool Outcast model. Let me play some of this Outcast shit now, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm like their typical nerd that they want to totally get with these stupid boxes. Yo, dude, it's gotta be, it's gotta I'm a be gross. Like, I as an Outcast player get to play with the Death Rider, the yeah, Death cool. Rider, like, and the Pale Rider, and the and the Pale Rider, and to a lesser extent, you know, the the Mechanical Rider and the hooded rider 
so Dick, Dixon in so in Levy when you're bringing the riders what because you can't bring on any out of keyword models so what are the in key and versatile models that you think Levy is still going to want to bring See, that's a hard question because of the point cost. Because four riders is forty-four points. Well, I don't, I don't think you bring four all the time, though. No, you're right. I think if I was gonna leave one behind, uh, it'll be depending on on the mission. So more than likely, it's gonna be hooded rider or mechanical or rider. Pale. Oh, okay. Now pale rider comes in, like, dude, stagger. Yeah, pale, pale riders, yeah, pale riders. Yes, yeah, I do like, I, I do like the pale rider for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And the dead rider is just phenomenal. Exactly. Even, even, I mean, even after the nerf, he's still good. Oh yeah, the guy is just godlike. Uh, so yeah, if I was gonna like dump one or two riders, it would be those two hooded and mechanical. Then that rider and okay, so I would bring scavenger definitely because scavenger is amazing. Yeah, uh, they're rusty nasty. Alice. Yeah, yeah, rusty Alice for sure, for sure. Oh, dude, rusty Alice can get rode up the board. Uh, exactly. She doesn't That's need so to good. walk anymore. Like, oh, look at this. Oh yeah, fuck your four inch move. Dude, I can just ride with this cool dead guy. Pale Rider and and uh, fucking Rusty Alice are now the best pair ever in Outcast. Just like, oh, look at that. Move over here, shoot the shit out of something. Move over here, shoot the shit out of something else. It's amazing. Okay, Chris, last question to you. Is there anything in this world that can pry you from the clutches of the Explorer Society? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having my fun with the Explorer Society. He's got all this Rezzer crap that's just sitting there getting dust. I got all this Arcanist crap, and then I jumped over Rezzers, and then I flexed into Outcasts, which, you know, you're you're pretty happy about that. You got some free corpse there. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll definitely dabble. I, I don't mind dabbling a little bit. You know me, I like to entertain myself. But I found my home in Explorers. They I do. Are... I do think you like the jank. You like the models. I, yeah. I, I think you you definitely found a good place there. I did. I found a good home. Well, the good news is everybody's tired of them and either hate them or love them. So now all the randos that just picked them up because they looked cool probably aren't playing them anymore. Ooh, ooh. Uh, one last thing from the horse rider thingy. Marlena Webster makes us that uh, now they can they can not not take any damage. There you go. That's all I wanted to say. Is Marlena Webster also a rider? She doesn't have to be. She just, if I remember correctly, it's non minions. Let me look it up real quick. In incorrect. She is a rider because she's riding a teddy bear. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. You failed, Dixon. Get out of here. Hey man. <laughs> I forgot. All right, folks, make sure that you're checking out RageQuitWire.com for news and updates. Make sure you're also subscribed to the YouTube channel. That way you can check out any of the live streaming that we do and then also any of the battle reports that we upload. So I think with that being said, though, gentlemen, we're going to end the night there. Make sure that you're flipping cards, flipping them tables, and have yourself a good night.